this Lord's Day morning, we'll be considering the Apostle Paul's very simple, yet incredibly profound words concerning the new man and the old man, mentioned in verses 21 through 24 of Ephesians 4. What does he mean when he's referring to the old man? Is he talking about when a person gets into their senior years? I mean, I'm starting to get grey hair now. Is he talking about me? He's not, is he? Is he? What is he referring to when he talks about the new man? The new man. Well, for this Lord's Day morning, uh, I, with the Lord's help, endeavour really to explain what these metaphors mean. The putting off of the old man. The putting on of the new man. But to begin with, to give us a bit of context, in the first three chapters of the epistle to the Ephesians, the apostle under inspiration of the Holy Spirit labors much to more fully acquaint the believers at Ephesus with the divine truths and really the mystery of their salvation, to more fully acquaint them with this wonderful mystery of how they have been saved by the gospel, and of course the great eternal privileges and blessings that flow from it. And this is especially true, isn't it? Because in times gone past, these, these people of Ephesus, remember Ephesus is in Turkey, I've actually been there before, it's, 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 it's barren now, there's cats, stray cats everywhere, it's an awful place. But back then, dear friends, this was a an idolatrous place, and these people were idolatrous. So we must see it in this light, because in times past, these people of Ephesus were worldly idolaters. They had no interest in the things of God, they had no time for the true Lord God, they had no time for Christ and His, his Gospel. They were worldly idolaters. But now, through the power of the Gospel and the Holy Spirit, there had been a great change that had brought them into God's covenanted family. There had, there had been this amazing change that made them actually now um, start to live for eternal purposes, for Christ and for the matters of the soul. Now, this really is the context which the Word of God speaks to us this morning in regards to the old man and the new man. So let us remember that that's the context in regards to the old man and the new man. And so let us just familiarize ourselves with today's text, verses 21 through 24 of Ephesians 4. This is the word of God. If so be that ye have heard him that is the Lord Jesus and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that he put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that he put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And so the word of God here, by the use of very simple yet profound metaphors in terms of the garments, the putting off 
of the old man garment and the putting on of the new man garment. He's painting us a very simple yet very powerful illustration. Is describing what a person is likened to prior to them being saved. What are they like? What's their condition? It's this old man, you see. And, and what they are likened to when they are truly converted. The new man. And it paints us this beautiful picture. And so let us therefore consider firstly the old, what the old man means. What does it mean to put him off of this old man? And really whether this is still describing any present here today or anyone who will come to listen to today's sermon. It is evidently apparent, dear friends, that the old man mentioned here is a description of man's corrupt nature. Let me say that again. It is evidently apparent by the full counsel of Scripture that the old man mentioned here is a description of man's corrupt nature. And I'm not talking about the flesh here. A lot of people mistake that. It's not just a problem with the flesh. Man by nature is a rebel sinner from, uh, uh, from the moment he is born. Man is born with a sinful nature. As the psalmist said in Psalm 51.5, In sin did my mother conceive me. And I have my mother here today. <laughs> and she can testify to that fact, can't you, <laughs> um, But in sin did my mother conceive me. You don't have to teach your children to disobey God's commandments. They'll do it by nature. Because we're born with a sinful, rebellious, God-hating nature. That's all of us. By nature, friends. It's a description of this old man. The phrase old man is also very fitting to man's natural sinful condition because it is ever of old. I've inherited it, sorry to say, mum, from you. <laughs> and you've inherited it from your mum and from your father. And they've inherited it from theirs. All the way back, all the way back to Adam, isn't it? The oldest man, the old man, the really old man. It's the old man. When Adam fell from the covenant of works which he was under, when he fell, dear friends, we all fell with him. We all fell from grace, really, into sin. And that fall has affected our nature. And so the term old man is also very fitting because man's corrupt nature, uh, nature sinful nature, operates also like a body. Have you ever thought of that? It operates like a body. Everything, all the faculties of the old man, the, 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 the person who is not saved, they mutually work together to oppose the light of the gospel. My eyes, my heart, my mind, they're switched off to the things of God. And they all come together, they're all mutually, as it were, almost like a defense come together to oppose the light. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ said, did he not? He said, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. By nature, our faculties, our mind, our hearts, our understanding, our affections, our desires, 
and our members of our body, they all work together to oppose our Saviour. We want to live for the creature more than the Saviour. We want to give the creature the credit and not our Maker. And so they all come together and oppose. And how evident this is in our society. Well, I don't have to hear the gospel. I don't want to be around people who remind me of my sin. I'm going to put on my, my ear, my, my headphones and blast away the music. Or I'm going to come home from work and switch on the telly and veg out, as it were. And just not have to think upon eternity. Not have to think about when I die. That all the faculties of man is switched off. I, I don't want to hear about my accountability. I'm too wedded to my sin. And this is all of us, dear friends, in our natural condition. Before true conversion, man does not put Christ first in his life. And this was me for many years, right into my 20s. I did not put Christ first. I went to church. I had been under the gospel before. But I was, I was dead in trespasses and sins. I loved my sin. I loved myself. I loved Hollywood ideals. I was switched off. I did not love the Lord Jesus. I did not love the only Saviour of sinners. I did not love my God, the giver of everything. More, more. I love myself. And this is the condition of man, you see. If you don't love Christ and the Lord God, your Maker and the Saviour, with everything that you have, with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, you're not yet a Christian. There is, in the natural heart of man, there is a dislike to a life of true holiness. There is an aversion to living a true life of holiness. You know, before I was a Christian, when I was invited to church, I remember actually in particular going to my sister's baptism, it was just went over my head. It didn't mean a thing to me. I thought, well, look, look, look at the stuffy crowd, as it were. These, 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 these things are boring. And this was me by nature. I was completely switched off. I don't want to live a holy life. I don't, this is boring. This is, this, this is disinterests me. The, the principles and habits are not taken in light of God's word. I don't want to live according to the word of God. I want to live according to what I think is right. I want to live according to my impulses and what my peers say and what Hollywood ideals tell me, my society tells me. I just want to go along with the crowd. That's what I want in my life. This is the old man. No true daily self-examination. No thinking upon my accountability towards God, my sin. No true spiritual life in the heart and the mind. There is a certainly within the, the natural man a distrust and, a, and, a, and an aversion to be governed by the Word of God. Well, I don't want to be governed by the Word of God. That, that's all of us by nature. The old man, the natural man, hates also to be under a, the, the ministry of a true Bible-believing church. Oh yes, the megachurches, they'll fool the cues. To be told that uh, you're loved and to be a good person and to the social gospel and to do all these things. Oh yes, plenty of people. But, but you see, the old man does not want to be under a searching ministry. A ministry that puts a finger upon sin and says, you're a sinner and that's your problem. It separates you from God. And that's all of us by nature. That's the old man. And yes, the old man may disguise his or her sinful conditions by nature by putting on an outward form of religion. 
Well, yes, I, I can put on these forms of religion, and yet for, and this, this for a time, may bring an element of satisfaction, and may bring an element of purpose. And, and it is good. It is good to be religious. It is good to frame your life around that which is good. And so this for a time can bring about, if someone is a worldly person, and they start to put in place these disciplines, well, well, we're not going to say that's wrong, that's good. And for a time, that can bring an element of purpose. But friends, in due time, that person will soon realize that the main problem they have is not an outward problem. It's an inward problem. It's a problem with their hearts and their soul. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. That's our problem. By nature, we're in great need of a new heart. A heart of flesh, a moldable heart, a believing heart. Not these hearts of stone that we have by nature. The old man, the natural man, that's every one of us by nature, is in great need, dear friends, of a new heart to love God with. If we don't have a new heart and a new right spirit put within us, we're not, it's not going to last. We must have a new heart put within us. The Apostle says, that's what the Apostle says, doesn't he? In verse 21, If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, have you truly heard the voice of your Saviour personally speaking to you, to your heart? Not, not man's words, but have you heard him by the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to you about your condition, that you, you need him? Have you been taught of Jesus? The word of God says in Ezekiel 36, 26, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. A new heart also will I give you. You see, those who understand, well, I cannot please God in my natural condition. This, this old man, even my own righteousness, is as filthy rags in God's sight. Even the things I do, I want to be praised for them. How can I come to God if every part of my faculties have been corrupted? This heart of mine is an unbelieving heart. It's, it's, it's a sinful heart. This mind of mine, can, the things it can think of sometimes, these hands, the wickedness that they've done, how can that which is crooked be made straight? I cannot work my way to God and try to, to, to build a ladder, Jacob's ladder, up into heaven and try to please God. Everything has been corrupted in me. I need someone who is powerful enough and holy enough and righteousness enough to help me to overcome all these things. Our hearts by nature, dear friends, are incredibly hard towards God. And we need a new heart, don't we? We need a new spirit put within us. Now friends, if any poor wretched sinner hears the voice of the Word of God this day, the Gospel, speaking to their hearts through the precious Word of God, it has a twofold effect. It has a twofold effect. The first effect is a realization of one's position and standing before a holy God. God is holy. God cannot look upon sin. God is righteous. And therefore, no, not one sin can ever enter into heaven. Anything that defiles heaven and glory 
he will not entertain. Sin must be dealt with. And that means all of us, by our old sinful natures, are guilty. In our natural condition, we cannot get into heaven. We cannot work our way to heaven. We cannot even, by living a very pious religious life, get into heaven. Hence the words of the Apostle in verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You've got to put it off. You've got to abandon any hope in yourself. And you've got to look outside of yourself to someone who's holier than you, someone that's always been holy, that's always been obedient, that's always lived a righteous life, that's more powerful, that's overcome sin and death, the world and the devil. And that's not you and I, dear friends. That's the only saviour of sinners. You see, true salvation comes when we abandon any efforts of ourselves to get right with God and we look to the Saviour. We look to Him who came from the glorious courts of heaven and perfectly obeyed the law of God and perfectly honoured in every point the law, lived under the law, humbled himself, but uh, lived a life perfectly able to deliver us from the consequences of the law, our sin. The law teaches us that we're sinners and we're in need of a saviour and Christ is that saviour and so we must abandon any self-effort to get right with God and look to Christ alone. We need to put it off when the light of the word of God pierces through to the heart of a soul or any poor lost sinner it comes with great convicting and converting and transforming power. That person becomes very concerned indeed on whether they have eternal security. There becomes a dread and a seriousness and a concern. Are you saying I'm not as good as you, you say I am? Do you say even if I live this holy life and I put away my TV and I stop watching these programs and I stop doing these things, even then I'm still not going to be qualified for heaven? Not according to the Bible. Not according to the true way of salvation. That person becomes very about not only outward sins, yes, get rid of the telly, stop going to the pubs or the clubs or whatever, stop all these outward sins, I'll clean up my life somewhat. That person becomes not only serious about outward sins, but more so sins, the innocence of the heart and mind. When the true gospel shines in someone's heart, well, God sees my heart. The light, when it truly shines, it either repels people I don't want to know about this, don't, don't tell me I'm a sinner, or can have another effect. It can so shine in someone's heart and they can see the filth upon themselves. Are you telling me that I'm that bad? Are you telling me that every day I break the commandments? That every day I steal from my God the glory due to his name? That every day I don't have to outwardly blaspheme God's name, but I can make light of it? I can make light of it. Every day I break God's commandments. I'm filthy. Look at me. I've got this filthy, I'm tainted with this old man. And it's all, it's covered, I'm covered in it. I'm covered in this mire. And it doesn't matter how much I try to clean up my outward life, I know still within, I still sometimes have those fiery darts fired into my heart and my mind. I know that I'm wretched. And who can deliver me from? Friends. Well, that's 
That is a part of the conversion process, friends. As it says in Romans 7.13, that sin becomes exceedingly sinful. It's not just about my outward sins and other people see. God sees my heart and I realise this. He is sovereign. And he sees, I might be hiding, hiding things from other people, but God sees my heart and my imagination. He sees that I may have looked upon a woman in, in, with an adulterous thought. I'm an adulterer. He sees that if I have gossiped or told a liar or a mistruth or a white lie, then I'm a liar. He sees these things. I know that which is what is to do is right, but I do that which is wrong. I know what is right, but I do that which is wrong. I'm guilty of these things. So when a true realization of the old man um, starts to work in someone's heart by the Spirit of God and by the preaching of the Gospel, that person starts to realize the exceedingly sinfulness of sin, of their sin by nature. And all this world's vanities and empty promises of men can never bring them happiness, can never bring them fulfillment. They have, in fact, they start to see how, how I've been deceived. I've been so deceived by these things. Even by religious things, I've been so deceived. And that's what happens, dear friends, when someone is under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and the Gospel. When the word of God and the gospel so strikes home to any poor lost sinner's heart, they start to see their unworthiness, the, the, their unworthiness of heaven and having a relationship with God and being saved. It dawns upon them, I'm so unworthy. I don't deserve to be saved. I'm such a hell-deserving hell sinner. I don't deserve God's salvation. It's like the thief upon the cross. He didn't even say, forgive me. He didn't even repent. He said, just remember me. I don't deserve your salvation. I don't deserve to be converted because I know that with my life that you've given me, I've abused you day in, day out for years. I don't know. I don't deserve you. They start, when, when the, the Word of God and the Spirit starts to work upon a heart, friends, they start to see their hearts as God sees their hearts. And how does God see any poor lost sinner's hearts? Well, Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 17:9 that it is deceitful and desperately wicked. That's our hearts by nature. We are rebels against God. We're on the run. That's all of us. That's the old man by nature. And friends, when a saving work of God is truly performed within a believing soul, that person begins to understand that they must be changed. I must have a change in my life. There must be a, a, a transformation that takes place. Like a caterpillar. A caterpillar, before that great transformation takes place, is earthbound. It thinks upon the earth, it crawls upon the earth, it eats upon the earth. It's consumed with the earth. And then in that cocoon, a, a great transform, transformation happens. It turns into a completely new creature, doesn't it? And when it, the, 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 that, day, that day where it bursts open, what was first consumed with the earth, met upon the earth, walked upon the earth, lived upon the earth, now becomes heavenward. It bursts open and its thoughts are heavenward. It, now it raises 
that is true of when any poor lost sinner is transformed. Their heart and mind is, is, is transformed from being consumed with worldly business and affairs. Yes, we've still got things to do. And yes, we've still got business. But by and large, I'm thinking of heaven now. I'm thinking of my Savior now. I'm thinking of, of the soul, the greater part of who I am now, which is going to last forever. I'm thinking upon these things. I'm repenting of my sins. I'm putting off this filthy old man garment. I'm putting off any self-efforts to get right with God. I'm repenting and putting off these things and I'm looking to my Saviour, the one who bore my sin. I'm looking to that accursed tree. I'm beholding the Lamb of God, which all the Old Testament sacrifices pointed to. I'm looking to Him. Behold the Lamb of God. I'm by faith putting my hands upon Him. And all my sins and all my guilt and my failures are put upon the Lamb. And when I do that, when I put off this old man, this old failing man, and I behold the Lamb, I look at my Saviour, my God, who died for my sins, then, and only then, when will that transforming power come into our hearts, and we'll be born of the Holy Spirit. Because I trust in someone far greater than me. His righteousness for my unrighteousness. His obedience for my disobedience. He's overcome sin, death, the world, and the devil. For me, and for you, friends, if you truly believe in Him, someone has to change me, and I don't have the power to do this. Only Christ, the perfect, righteous, only begotten Son of God. God needs to change me through Christ. A miracle of grace needs to happen in my heart. I need a new heart and a new spirit. Am I, am I describing anyone here today, friends? Or anyone who will listen to today's sermon? It's God's words speaking to you. These are not my words. This is God's words that's forever settled in heaven. Are you receiving the words today from God? I'm just a, 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 a sinful man. Are you receiving them from God? Are you by faith trusting in them? It says in Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Do you sincerely and heartily desire God to change you from the inside out? Not from the outside in, from the inside out. From within, like that caterpillar. You must therefore repent of your sins and any self-abandon, any self-efforts to get right with God. You must abandon these things. And you must take off the, 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 the old man by faith. You must repent of your sins, not only your sins of heart and mind and, and life, but abandon any effort to try to earn your own way of salvation. Put it off. Abandon it, says the Apostle. Abandon the former way of life. And you must put on the new man, Christ. You must put on the Saviour. His robe of righteousness will cover you. When you put off the old man, and you abandon any efforts of yourself, and you repent of your sins, and you forsake it, and you mean it, because you by faith trust in the gospel, then the new garment, Christ's robe of righteousness, will be covering you, so that your sins are remembered no more. We cannot take our sins with us, friends. We cannot take our sins with us. The way of salvation, we are told in Isaiah, Isaiah 35, 8, 
shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. And that's all of us. We are all unclean by nature. It's a way of holiness. And only Christ has perfectly kept that holy way. We are all by nature unclean by nature. But if you trust in God's way of salvation, what was once unclean, in God's eyes, if you trust in Christ, if you've truly repented of your sins and taken off, as it were, by God's grace, the old man, then he will make you clean through the new man, through Christ. His blood will wash every single sin. The perfect, holy, innocent blood of the Lamb will wash you from all sin. There's life in the blood of the crucified one. And if so, could it be true that the first effect of when someone truly has an encounter with God, has business, has, has dealings with God, and hears God's voice through the gospel, well, the second effect is also true. And that is they must put on this new man. They must put on the new man. Who is the new man? Described in today's passage. Well, like I've said, it's the only saviour of sinners. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the new man. In Adam, we all fell. In the first man, but in the second man, Christ, we should all be made alive. And the life of God must dwell in us by the power of the Holy Spirit and by a true understanding of the gospel. By faith, you must behold the new man, the Lamb of God. You must, by faith, if you've truly heard the voice of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, if you, if you, if you truly want to be taught of him, you must, by faith, turn from your sin. Turn from this world's way, even this world's way of getting right with God. You must turn from all those things, abandon them, and by faith, put them off. And by faith, you must behold the Lamb, the, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, and put your hands upon Him. And all your sins, like it was in the Old Testament, will be transferred to that perfect, spotless, blemishless Lamb. And the Lamb will be sacrificed for us. That's what happened. God's fury, the Father's fury, was poured upon the Son, the spotless, innocent one, the Holy One, the sinless one. Why? For our sins, who trust in Him. He was, bore our sins on that cross, who was sinless. The just, Christ for the unjust, to bring us rebel sinners to God. This is the Gospel, friends. Friends, if you sincerely put off the old man and put on the new man by faith, you will be saved. You will be born again of the Holy Spirit of God. And you'll have the life of God dwelling in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll be taught of Christ. He will teach you and guide you, like we read in the Psalms earlier. Thy word as a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God will give me new desires and principles, and affections, and you desire to live for Him, to love Him, to repent of my sins, a new, death, a new uh, spirit, a right spirit within me, so that I wake up, I don't get to go about eating my toast and my cornflakes and having my tea and getting off to my business, no, I commit the day to the Lord, I pray to Him and I spend quiet time with Him in the morning, I have dealings with heaven before I have dealings with this world. I commit the day to Him. I start the day with Him. And I end the day with Him. And throughout the day, 
I can employ Him. Even if I'm busy, I can do those dark prayers. And I can know of His, his peace. And I can know of answered prayer. And I can know the power of the Holy Spirit. New affections, new desires, brought by the Holy Spirit of God. These things are true, friends. If we put on the new man by faith, we'll be born again. A new start in life. A new creation, friends. And what are the results of someone who has truly taken off the old man and put on the new man? What are, what, are the, what are the results of being truly converted? Well, our text today gives us some of the indication of the results. They are taught by the Lord Jesus. What God says now comes with great authority in their souls. They are no longer listening to man's temporary fading world, the woke things of this world, the passing fashions of this world. No, 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 no. This is my guide and my instruction in life. This is what I'm being conformed to daily. And I daily, my flesh is being mortified and crucified because it's dead. That's a picture of baptism, isn't it? A baptism, I'm dead with Christ. My old affections, my old life, it's buried. It's been crucified with Christ. I'm now living for the Spirit, for the things of heaven and Christ. And that means that we have a conscience. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit within me. I don't want to live in sin. I want to crucify these things and daily mortify these old things. The old nature tries to pour its way out within a believer, tries to reinsert itself in a believer's life, but the Holy Spirit in Christ within a believer's life helps to mortify these things. No, 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 I must prioritize spiritual things, eternal things. That's the results. They're taught of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only in word, but by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Christ teaches us daily to mortify the deeds of the flesh. To not walk by sight, but by faith. To not sow to the flesh, but the Spirit. The Holy Spirit creates new desires, inclinations, affections within a believer for true holiness of heart. To live with a clean conscience before God, dear friends, is the most beautiful thing. And heartfelt daily repentance is done when we become a true believer. Daily I'm repenting my sins. Daily I'm self-examining. And I'm bringing them to my Saviour. And I know I'm being cleansed. And not only that, every day, by faith again, I depend upon the Lord. And by faith, I ask for strength, or give me strength, deliver me from temptation and evil, help me to, for your name to be honoured today in my conversation and how I live my life, help me to live a life that's honouring so that people don't sort of see me, because I'm, I, I'm still, I still fail you, I'm still in the flesh. But, but people see more of Christ in me. People see that I am living for a higher purpose. That you have made a difference. That you're made, your name may be made holy, may be hallowed in every part of my life. So we can pray to God earnestly and He will give us the strength and the wisdom and the guidance and the power to live such lives. He promises so. When we truly know of the new man, Christ within us, the Saviour, and his love, wherewith he died and loved us and saved us, it brings about a complete change and transform transformation in one's life. 
It's got to. You know, and it's so sad to see when you see professing Christians that say, yes, I'm a Christian and all these things, but they're still very much in the world. Still, still living like a worldling, still in worldly relationships, still going to, and watching things they shouldn't be watching, still doing things they should, you should, they should be doing. Dear friends, it's, 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 it's sad when you see that. Have they truly heard the voice of the Lord? Have they truly been taught by the Lord? Yes, we can all get it wrong. We can all, true Christians can backslide. But are we growing? Are we the new guest of the Holy Spirit? If we're truly Christ, are we, are we cultivating this new holy guest within us? The Holy Spirit, God in man. The life of God in man. And so he's holy. Am I, am I cultivating this new life within me? Am I very sensitive to him? Or am I grieving the Holy Spirit? Am I sowing to the flesh? Because even the true believers can do that. If any man come to me, says Luke 14, 26, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. What does that say? It says that the Lord Jesus must be first. If he's not first, in your life, it's not saying to hate wife or your, your mother or your father. We love our mothers. Love you, mum. <laughs> we love our we love our parents. We love our, our children. These things are of God. What the Lord's saying here is you, if you don't love me more than these things, well, how can you be worthy of my of being a true disciple? Because I am the giver of these good things. I'm the giver of your mum and your dad and your and your and your, your, your children. I'm the giver of these things. If Christ is not number one, friends, in your life, in your heart, and in your life, dear friends, you're most, you're most unhappy creature. You, you know that there's something wrong there. And you know, dear friends, that the day is coming. The Lord's return is nigh. When he comes, where will you be found? Like those ten virgins. Five of them weren't ready. And where will you and I be found? In our own righteousness? Or that of another's in the new man's. In conclusion, in the words of the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians 6.24, the Apostle says, Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. In sincerity. Amen.
Yeah.